You're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 172nd episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, we're wrapping up the conversation about leadership with Patrick Jinx of the Jinx Perspective. As an award-winning professional photographer, Patrick knows the value of viewing leadership challenges through the right lenses. Changing perspective can make all the difference when faced with the latest challenge. Following over two decades of nonprofit executive success, Patrick changed lenses and now serves leaders from a different perspective. His accomplished experience as a nonprofit CEO gives him unique insight into the challenges and opportunities nonprofit leaders face. With a PhD in organizational leadership, Patrick is also a board-certified executive leadership coach, professional speaker, facilitator, planner, and trainer with a proven 25-year track record in organizational leadership. He was recently recognized globally as one of the 10 most influential people in leadership coaching for 2022 by CIO Views Magazine. Patrick is a multi-bestselling author, co-authoring books with such coaching icons as Marshall Goldsmith and Jack Canfield. His globally acclaimed podcast, The Leadership Window, is a feed spot top five podcast for nonprofit leaders. Patrick is a member of the Forbes Coaches Council and frequent guest writer for Forbes.com. He is a two-time training award winner through the Association for Talent Development, and he is a teaching member of the Right Question Institute, as well as a member of the National Association of Experts, Writers, and Speakers. His speaking stages ranged from the Citadel to Universal Studios and from TEDx to the United Nations. Thank you so much for joining us, Patrick. Thank you, Kim, for having me on. And that was way too long. <laughs> but, but thank you. When you have a lot of accolades, it's going to take a little while to tell them all. Let's start with something you actually taught me. What is the difference between a leadership coach and a business coach? Coaching is coaching. As you know, I tend to find the difference just in what people's expectations are. I find that when people ask me for business coaching or they say, hey, I'm looking for a business coach, I usually find that what they're actually looking for is a business consultant. They're looking for someone who understands business and can give them some tips and tools and advice and guide them. I'm always emphatic about the difference between coaching and consulting. When I hear business coach, that's about coaching around the health and strength of the business and what's next in growing the business. Leadership coaching to me is focused on the leader, focused on the person. So I'm coaching the person, not the problem. I'm coaching the person, not the business, not the organization. And we're focused on leadership as it is defined maybe as influence rather than managing and growing a business. Coaching is coaching, as I said, but there are some slight differences between, just like there's differences between life coaching, health coaching, wellness coaching, acting coaching, (laughs) they all have their place. Okay. You would call yourself a leadership coach. You coach leaders. Definitely. Absolutely. Coach leaders and done a little bit of consulting. I can play a consultant when I need to, when that's the right assignment, if it's an area where I feel like I'm expert in. 
a consultant to me is an expert, an expert in a field. You hire an IT consultant if you need a network installed. You hire a finance consultant if you need someone to come in and audit your finances or figure out what you need to do. I'm not an expert in most of the industries I coach in. I do coach a lot in the nonprofit sector, but I'm not an expert in how to address homelessness in a community. I'm not an expert in domestic violence. I coach CEOs of domestic violence organizations. I'm not an expert in early childhood education, but I coach CEOs who are. So mm -hmm. I focus on the leader, focus on the leadership and the person and try to avoid playing the consultant role. But again, can play it when I need to. When it comes to coaching leaders, it's not just the executive director or the CEO. A leader can lead from any seat. Leadership is influence. We define it as not synonymous with authority or position. Mm -hmm. So I coach not only executive leaders, but senior leaders, teams, boards of directors, group coaching and individual coaching, but focused on leading. Great. I know you coach mostly nonprofit leaders. Do you find that there's a difference in the coaching approach between sectors or is leadership always leadership? In the approach, I wouldn't say there's much of a difference if I'm coaching a corporate CEO or a nonprofit CEO or leader. The difference lies partly in my own perspective as the coach. I happen to understand a little bit more about the nuanced challenges that nonprofit leaders face because I've lived that for 25 years. Mm -hmm. There are nuances. You're leading a board of directors. You're answering to a board of directors. Even for corporations that have boards, it's a different relationship that the CEO has with a board in a corporate sector than it is a nonprofit sector community leadership and having to really foster relationships and deal with people that aren't paid as much as people are paid in the corporate sector, leading volunteers who aren't paid anything to do what it is you're trying to get them to do. The fact that I understand that landscape might make me a slightly more effective coach for a nonprofit leader just because I know where they're living. It can right. also be a disadvantage because I have my own biases in that experience because I've lived it. I would say that's really the only difference. Leadership is leadership. Organizational leadership is organizational leadership. There are nuances between the sector, but your question was about whether or not the approach is the same. The answer to that is yes. We still start with assessment. We move to challenge. We make sure that we're serving as a support partner, accountability partner. We're leading with questions. We're using questions as our framework to draw out and elevate their best thinking. The approach doesn't change. Okay. And I've heard you use leadership is influence. I have this quote that I use that says relationship is the root of all influence. Does that ring true for you also? Do you do some relationshiping? That's my word, relationshiping, like a verb with the leaders that you coach? Oh, absolutely. In fact, we've got our own definition of leadership at the Jinx Perspective. We were challenged to define it for ourselves a long time ago. If we were going to be in this leadership coaching world, what's our perspective on leadership? So we have a definition of it, and I can share it with you a little bit later. But I very much subscribe to John Maxwell's definition of leadership as well. His definition is one word, influence. Nothing mm. more, nothing less. That's what leadership. So you'll hear me say that a lot. When you talk about relationship, it also reminds me of Maxwell, because Maxwell talks about five levels of leadership. The first one is authority. People follow you because they have to. You're the one that signs their check or, you know, <laughs> the second level starts to move into people follow you because they like you. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, people follow you because you have a track record of success. You have credibility in the business. Level four, people follow you because you have a track record of developing them, what it is you've done for them as a leader. And his fifth level is that personhood level. People follow you because of the person you are. And yeah. throughout that, three or four of those levels intersect with the word relationship. So yes, everything is about relationship. And one of the biggest areas I might provide clarity on that for anyone who's really thinking deeply about it is relationship to me is often the difference between management and leadership. Drucker said, you manage things, you lead people. As a manager, even if it's in a position of authority, I've got a set of processes. I'm directing people's tasks and order and activities. As a leader, though, I'm using relationship to draw out the best of that person, develop that person. Another leadership definition, Dwight Eisenhower defined leadership as the art of getting people to do things you want done because they want to do it. You do that through relationship. So yeah, it totally resonates. Every aspect of leadership, if it's done effectively, is through the lens of relationship. Okay. That makes sense to me too. You mentioned that you coach teams and sometimes even a board of directors. So does the approach change when you're coaching teams, like entire boards in a group setting? Ah, Good question. I think the only time the approach changes is when it's a hybrid when part of the assignment is training. If I'm asked to train a team of leaders, I'll use a coaching mindset to do it. That's what the Right Question Institute has taught me so much about. And we can talk about that too, if you want, but using questions to teach, in other words, not just using questions to coach and draw out. So sometimes it moves over into the teaching realm, but no, the approach is the same. When I'm coaching a board of directors, it's usually toward one of two things, either helping them articulate their strategy as an organization moving forward, their strategic planning processes, or it's about coaching them to be a better board. So board engagement coaching. And in both of those scenarios, I'm leading with questions. I'm not there to tell them what their strategy should be. I'm there to dig out their aspirations, their intentions, their bigger purpose, their appetite for boldness, risk, change, innovation, status quo, their readiness to commit to a set of directives or imperatives for the next three to five years. The approach is the same. It's by using questions. An example I can give you is for anyone out there who's done strategic planning or been in strategic planning meetings, people hate them. And there's a reason they hate them. They're perfunctory and they're fill in the blank template format. You do a SWOT analysis, then you spend time crafting a mission statement, then a vision statement, and you you go through the process. When I'm working with boards, we don't have a time where we say, okay, it's time to create the vision statement. So we get a flip chart and we say, what's your vision? That's statement building. It's not vision building. To vision build, I want to ask them, what do you see down the road that you're not seeing today? Where are we headed? What do you want to say is true 12 months from now that isn't true today? What's the picture we're trying to paint? I don't ask them, all right, let's create a vision statement. I just listen and I draw, I let them talk. I free them from having to figure out the wordsmithing. Is it us or we? And everybody gets caught up in that rather than having a real conversation about what our aspirations are. So I listen and I synthesize and like a good coach does, I reflect back. I say, so what I think I hear you saying is, and I'll craft it in a synthesized way. It's everything they said. My gift back to them is the synthesis. And when I reflect it back to them, they're like, wow, you said it so much better, but you said it. 
I just needed you to say it. I needed you to bring it out. That's the coaching process. It's different than the consulting process. It's different than giving direction and recommendations. Right. And you have the challenge of trying to keep coaching and consulting separate. I have the challenge of trying to keep coaching and counseling separate because they are two different animals as well. I'm wondering if you ever struggle or want to give in or succumb to the temptation to forget about the questions and just give people advice. Does that ever happen? All the time. (laughs) uh, I have to be very conscious of it. My trainer and mentor and initial certifier in coaching is Dr. Jim Smith. He's a 30-year coach and trainer at the Center for Creative Leadership. He is the founder of Leadership Systems Incorporated, where I serve as an adjunct. I often say, and sometimes I tell my coachees this, if we're on a call, a coaching call, I'll sometimes say, Jim Smith would slap my wrist for that one. (laughs) I catch myself moving a little bit into advice mode. I do give myself permission to create a little bit more hybrid than the drilling that was hammered into us in training. Every sentence that I speak on a coaching call is not in the form of a question. I just try to let that be the foundation and make sure that the conversation is really intended to draw out their best thinking and elevate their best thinking and challenge their thinking, not to give you mine. Coaching is not about my perspective. It's about the leader's perspective. Yeah, I love that. I get trapped into the counseling thing too, not because I try to be a counselor, but because often my coachee thinks that this is counseling. Right. And I have to remind them, this is not counseling. I'm not qualified for that. I'm not certified in counseling. There are times when coaches need to understand, for example, when to refer someone to a counselor. Fortunately, I love this. I love the fact that the stigma behind that is really not what it used to be. I'm working with a coachee who is a very influential leader in their community. I've worked with several who are very straight up. So my therapist told me the same thing, or my therapist said this, and they're just very proud of it. And I'm glad that people are seeing that more now as a resource than some problem that something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with all of us. Sometimes we get the luxury and the benefit of being able to get the support of a therapist. But I sometimes have to remind my coaches that that's not what this is. Kim, I'm interested in your take on this, but one of the ways it was described for me years ago, and it made sense to me and I use it, is that this sounds like a one-dimensional truth, and it's just one element of it, that often counseling and therapy focuses much more on the past, whereas coaching focuses much more on the future. My job as a coach is more to say, what's next? What are we doing from here? What's the intention? And where do we go from here? Not, well, let's unpack why you are the way you are, and let's unpack why you have those fears and why your value system is what it is. The coach starts with the framework of your value system is what it is. You are who you are. Now, what are we going to do from here? Again, that's oversimplified, but is it accurate in your view? It depends on the type of counseling that the person is doing. What I believe is happening, this is my theory, it's untested, but there was a time in the history of mental health when we only had psychiatrists, and then along comes psychologists to talk to clients, and the psychiatrists were then going to medicate the clients. That was what we had, psychiatrists, psychologists. Then come counselors who now are going to talk to clients and the psychologists are going to assess and test and the psychiatrists are going to prescribe the medication. Now I believe that life coaches are coming about to talk to the people who don't have mental health diagnoses, who aren't labeled with a mental illness, and they just are looking for maybe some help with their relationship. 
maybe some help in parenting or maybe how to approach their boss for a raise or something like that. It's not a medical diagnosis, so insurance doesn't want to pay for it anymore. So I think that there's going to be much more distinction between what is counseling and what is coaching in the future. Now the lines are really blurry and there's a lot of coaches who would say, I don't dig around in the past at all. I'm very solution focused. I'm very forward focused. And they say they're doing counseling. But I think in the future, those types of counselors will be labeled as coaches and not counselors. But that's just my theory. I don't know. I haven't, it hasn't come to fruition, but that's what I think is happening. And I think it might be driven by insurance companies who don't want to pay for regular people to have counseling because it's not medical. Insurance only covers medical issues, not just, I have an issue I want to talk to somebody about. That's more for coaches. I think that's great distinction. It makes great sense to me. It's a good framework. You mentioned the life coach piece and how from the psychiatrist to the psychologist, to the counselor, to the life coach. What I do also appreciate is not only is the stigma of counseling or therapy or any of that going away, the raising of the profession of coaching is also happening Yes, um, through organizations like the International Coach Federation or the Center for Credentialing and Education who create a rigorous process to become board certified as a coach, same group that certifies counselors to give a sense of legitimacy, credibility, authority not authority as in I tell you what to do, but authority as in I know what I'm doing and I'm on a process. I like that that is continuing. I think in the last 10 years, that's really come a long way and it needs to. Yeah, for sure. Because even now there's no laws regulating coaching. So anybody could say they're a coach. They don't need a program. They don't need to be certified. (laughs) So it's really consumers beware of what you're getting. There are efforts to professionalize the field of coaching, and I think that that will happen. I don't think it'll be too long and states will want to be licensing coaches because it's another income stream for them. I hope that doesn't happen too soon because I love the ability to function as a coach on the World Wide Web and not have to only function in my geographical location. I'm a licensed counselor in the state of Illinois, and technically I can't counsel anyone who's not in the state of Illinois when I'm also in the state of Illinois, which which really clips my wings because I travel so much. I can't do counseling unless I'm in the state of Illinois. So coaching is a much more versatile profession for myself, and I like it better. That will get interesting when it starts to reach that level, because here's another word we haven't thrown in there, and that's mentor. Yeah. And what's the difference between a mentor and a coach and a consultant and a counselor? Mentoring, you're not going to legalize mentoring, right? If the coaching things become difficult, I can see people saying, well, I'm just mentoring. I've got some wisdom to pass on because I've lived a particular track of life. So yeah, all nuances between those things. Interesting to see where it all goes. But I am glad that it's becoming more sophisticated, more credible, making us better coaches. It's just, it's strengthening the field. Absolutely. And the fact that as a board certified coach, we need to get continuing education credits like any other profession. I think that that's also great. You had mentioned if I wanted to hear it, you would tell me your definition of leadership. I was doing a leadership workshop years ago and I was sharing all these definitions of leadership because I collect them. I'm like this leadership nerd that collects leadership definitions ones and I'll share them and people like, oh, I really like this and they're writing them down. And when I got done with the workshop, a professor in the nonprofit space at Duke University came up to me afterwards. His name was Dr. Webb. And he said, hey, you know, I really enjoyed the great, great program today, you know, and I thought, well, this is great hearing this from Dr. Webb, you know, it's like we're all in awe of him and 
He said, yeah, this was really great. He goes, I loved the leadership definitions. He goes, I just one I wish you had thrown in there. I said, oh, tell me. And he goes, yours. <laughs> uh... And I went, went, wow. He goes, yeah, what's your perspective? If you're going to do this leadership training and coaching, like, shouldn't you have your own definition? Why just have to borrow someone else's? And it was such a great challenge. So I worked on it and I worked on it for a few months and I sent it to him and he said, man, I love it because it might be a little bit more of a framework than a definition, but I like it. So I kept it. I didn't change it after that. So it's been this for years. And here it is. We define leadership as a window of opportunity during which vision, inspiration, and empowerment converge to propel people toward a shared goal. And here's how we break it down. We say, First of all, it's a window of opportunity, meaning leadership happens in moments. Sometimes we pass the moments by and we miss an opportunity to lead. So that's why the definition starts with the fact that leadership is a window of opportunity. When that window of opportunity is seized, seen and seized, three things converge that a leader does. Cast vision, inspire people toward the vision, and empower people to act. The final thing is, in order for it to be leadership, is you got to be going somewhere. When those three things converge, it propels people, which is movement, toward a shared goal. We're all trying to achieve a shared goal, but we're doing so with vision, inspiration, and empowerment as our guide, but only if leadership is seen and seized in the moment. I love that. That really covers it all. All the definitions are right. I've heard so many different ones. These definitions that I love, Kevin Cashman defined it as authentic self-expression that creates value three-legged stool. It's got to be authentic, Mm -hmm. has to get expressed, and it has to create value. Not all authentic self-expression creates value. Some of it's destructive. Maxwell defines it as influence. I mentioned Eisenhower's definition. My coach defined leadership as creating an environment where ordinary people can achieve extraordinary things. Marty Lenski at Harvard defined leadership as disappointing your own people at a rate they can absorb. (laughs) It's about change and it's about pulling people out of their comfort zone, but not too much too fast. I think all those are right. I don't think there's any just one set definition of leadership, but having my own framework keeps me centered as I coach my leaders. Yeah, I love it. As you're coaching all these leaders, do you have someone who coaches you? Yes and no. It's been a little while since I had an official coaching engagement where I'm in some kind of formal coaching process, working on leader planning and things like that. But I have several people that I keep as coaches here and there. For example, I will hire a marketing coach to help me think through the next level of my business. I rely a lot on Dr. Jim Smith as a coach. I take advantage of our relationship and I get coaching from him any chance I get. I do have a dear friend and colleague who I asked a favor of a while back, and they were gracious enough to accept this. He calls me every Monday morning at 730 and asks me two questions, same two questions every Monday morning. And my job is I have to answer them out loud. His job is he can't judge them. He can't judge the result. It's just an accountability partner to say, hey, you're paying attention to this. And the two questions are, looking over the past week, where did you find yourself being the person you want to be? Where did you find yourself at your best? And I have to have thought about that and I have to be aware of it. The second question is, where in the past week did you find yourself not being the person you want to be? not being at your best. What was going on? What was happening? What was going on through your head? 
it forces me to think about that not only after the fact, but because we've been doing it for a while now, I think about that question all day long. I think, am I being the person I want to be right now? It's a question I got from Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, but it's a good reminder. And so there are forms of coaching that I try to keep. Every once in a while, I have to get formal and engage in something that's Mm -hmm. official because it keeps me accountable. I call coaching a forced pause. Uh, Leaders have to-do lists. Got to do the budget. Got to have a staff meeting. Got to prepare for the board meeting. I got to meet with a donor. What's our leadership to-do list? Where are we articulating somewhere how we're going to cast vision more effectively? Where are we articulating somewhere on paper and committing to actions that delegate opportunity to people, that challenge our team to be more innovative and stretch? That's what the leadership coaching does is it creates that leadership to-do list, not just the work to-do list. That's the forced pause. We got to stop and think about if we're being paid to lead, are we paying attention to that part as intentionally as we are, our strategic plan, our budget, our work plan? That's the idea. It's a great question though. Who fixes yeah. the plumber's sink? Who cuts the barber's hair? Who coaches the coach? I will say this. My wife has done a tremendous job through the years. She knows exactly when to coach me. She's learned enough from me that she gets it. She'll ask me sometimes, she'll say, what would you say to one of your coaches right now? I'm like, oh, great yeah. question. <laughs> Good honor. <laughs> That's great. I could talk to you all day long, Patrick. I just love hearing what you have to say about leadership, but our time is coming to a close. I just want to find out if there's anything you would like to add that we haven't already talked about. I don't think so, Ken. We unpacked a lot here in the last half hour. Let me just reiterate your last question. I think it's a great question to ask anyone listening right now. Who's coaching you? We say that my dad's a coach or I have a friend who, but we're talking about a process and an approach that forces us into a level of accountability and deep thinking that helps us grow. What I would add is kudos to that question. It's a good reminder for me and everybody. Great. Do you have anything coming up that you'd like our audience to know about? One of the things that is coming is we are developing a coaching training program with the goal of ultimately having that approved by the Center for Credentialing and Education as training that counts toward required training hours for people wanting to become board certified. The first level of it is we want to train coaches, period, and we want to certify them in our model. And we're looking down the line of having more adjunct coaches, for example, and we want them trained and certified in our model. But we want the value add of really creating learning that helps advance people's credentials should they want to do that. You've been down that road already, and I got to take great advantage of that, which was wonderful. We just want to add to that body of work out there. Excellent. I wish you the best. How could people reach you if they're looking for more information? Probably the same way most people are reached nowadays. A great starting point in our home space would be our website, jinxperspective.com. And it's J-I-N-K-S perspective.com. Everything's there. Our podcast is there. Our YouTube channel is there. Our blog is there. Our services and how we might be able to help you. Ways to get in touch with us all right there on the website. Terrific. Thank you. Patrick, I so appreciate you joining us today. Your expertise in the area of nonprofit leadership coaching is unsurpassed. Thank you so much. It's an incredible honor to be invited onto this program with you, Kim. You've been a great trainer and you're someone who has definitely got me to think deeper over time, having gone through some of your program and theory and philosophy on things. And Being here is a great honor. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. The honor is mine. 
I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when we'll be changing the topic to self-discovery with Jonathan Robinson. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.